Before we jump into uh, the message, or at least starting the message, I have a question for you. And I want you to answer, answer back. I want you to actually give me a response. And, um, and so here's the question. What is your idea of the ideal house? What is your idea of an ideal or the ideal house? You can answer me back. Okay, a, gal, a, a house that God is leading, all right? Okay, very good. What else? A house, your, the idea, your idea of the ideal house. A completely welcoming house. Okay, completely welcoming house. Okay, very cool. Somebody else. Paid for a house. I like that. You want to you wanna pay for mine? You can pay for mine. Finish paying for mine. Okay, a paid for a house. That's excellent. Somebody else. I'm sorry? Done. Did you say Done. A house that's done. Okay, finished. Okay, very cool. All right, somebody else? Place of rest. Place of rest. Absolutely. I heard somebody over here. A house of faith. A house that's filled with faith. Very cool. Let's take one more. One more because we could, we could do this all day. Children. Children. Someone said a loving house. Okay, a loving house. Well, Exodus 25. Exodus 25 is really um, God's idea of his ideal house. Exodus 25. So if you're looking on the Pew Bible, it's going to be page 58. Page 58, Exodus chapter 25. Okay, here's what it says. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me for each man whose heart prompts him to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them. Gold, <clears throat> silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen. <clears throat> Goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, <clears throat> excuse me, and hides of sea, co uh, sea cows. Acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense and the onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastplate. And we'll, go to, we'll do uh, eight and nine as well, and then we're going to come back to eight and nine. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishing, it furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Now, God gives Moses uh, a command, and the command is to build him a house. He wants him to build him a house, and we know that house to be the tabernacle. Verses 1 through 7 is, a, is an indication of the kind of materials that God wants Moses and the people to use to construct the tabernacle. He gives, him, uh, gives them all of these, these, uh, these various materials of gold and, um, and ram's uh, skins and all of those things that help build the tabernacle, a place where God would dwell. Now, the question that I had when I was reading this, where would the people get these kinds of material? They had just come out of slavery. Well, part of the, it's not necessarily given directly in the text, but it's inferred in the text that the people got the material from the Egyptians when they plundered them as they were leading or as they were leaving from Egyptian bondage. So when they left Egyptian bondage in chapter 12, verse 36, they left with a lot of material. They left with a lot of wealth. They left with a lot of the materials that they were, that uh, Moses was asking, he was asking people to bring. 
So these people would bring a free will offering to Moses and Moses would gather together a group of people who were skilled enough to actually build the tabernacle. And so God gives Moses a command uh, to build the tabernacle. Look at verses eight and nine. It says, then make me a sanctuary. That's the place that God wants him to build. For me and I will dwell, that's what tabernacle means, dwelling, the dwelling, to dwell among them. And then he says, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So God gives Moses a command. I want you to build me a house and I want you to build me a house where I will dwell among my people, where I will, where the presence of God will be, where God's Shekinah would rest on his people and rest in their presence. And so God says, build me a house. And so he says, build me a house. And so the idea, he says, I'm going to show you exactly what I want it to look like. Many Hebrew scholars believe this. They believe that God opened up heaven and showed Moses the exact patterns and dimensions and spacing of the tabernacle. And Moses was, to, was in turn to look at that picture that God showed him, and he was to actually replicate that. He was to actually do what he saw God showing him in that picture. And so he was to replicate that heavenly reality on planet Earth. And so in essence, what the tabernacle would be, it would be an earthly representation of a heavenly reality. So it would be a little piece of heaven on earth. The tabernacle would be, here it is again, a little piece of heaven on earth. Now, I want you to, I want you to jump back up. I want you to jump back up to verse number one because um, verse number one actually helps make the case. I want you to stay with me because this message is going somewhere. Don't, lo- don't, don't leave. Go back up to verse one. The Lord said to Moses, says the Lord said to Moses, Now, that phrase is a very, very important phrase in the scheme of building the tabernacle. That phrase is used seven times between chapters 25 and 31, that is, in the building of the tabernacle. Six times this phrase is used when the tabernacle is physically being built with all of its furnishings. The seventh time this phrase is used is when God talks about the Sabbath. And so could the writer be, could the writer be showing us and telling his reader that the building of the tabernacle is kind of a throwback to Eden, a kind of a throwback to a place and a time where the people of God actually enjoyed the presence of God, fully enjoyed fellowship with God. Could the writer be saying that the building of the tabernacle is a throwback to a time where we had perfect shalom with God and God had perfect shalom with us. Could it be that the writer is actually letting his audience know and the reader know and many people who would come and read this that God wants to dwell with his people, that God wants to live with his people and that God wants his people to live with us. Could the writer be saying to his people that this building that you're about to build ought to remind you of a time when God's people communed with him in perfect harmony, uninterrupted before the fall in the garden. Could it be that God is saying to Moses, 
I so long to dwell with my people. I so long to be with my people. And I so long for my people to be with me. So, so now, now the portable tabernacle, again, it never lived up to, it didn't always live up to the ideal. There are all kinds of things that happened. It actually became institutionalized over time. And where people began to actually uh, tr- trade, uh, trade relationship for ritual. Where people actually began to go through the motions as opposed to communing with God. And so the portable tabernacle gave way to the permanent temple. And we see that in 1 Kings chapters 5 through 8. Now this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do throughout the message. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a point and then we're going to go through the sequence again because I want you to remember this point. And so here it is. Here's the point. God gave Moses a command to build the... All right, all right, this is the last service. Y'all kind of got to go with me, all right? All right, got to go with me, all right? So God gave Moses a command to build the tabernacle. tabernacle. Excellent, excellent. It was a place where God would dwell with his people, and his people would dwell with God. They would commune with God, and God would commune with them. But the tabernacle never, ever ultimately lived up to the, the ideal. And so ultimately, ultimately, the portable tabernacle gave way to the permanent All right, all right, okay, we can do this, all right, we can do this, all right? God gave Moses a command to build the? The portable tabernacle gave way to the permanent? But the temple was uh, never lived up to its ideal. It became institutionalized over time where people traded relationship for ritual and people actually offered sacrifices without accompanying it with mercy and compassion. And so God raised up prophets to critique the system, not the system, but to critique what the system had become, the abuses of the system. And so God raised up prophets. And as God raised up prophets to critique the temple, the people began, they they continued to disobey God. They continued to dishonor God. They continued to worship idols. And what God did, God allowed the temple to be destroyed and he allowed the people to be taken into exile. Where they were in Babylonian captivity for a long time. And then we hear the people crying out in the Psalms, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? They began to actually lose their identity in exile. They were no longer the particular people of God. So let's try this again. Let's try this again. God gave Moses a command to build the tabernacle where God says, I want to dwell with my people and I want my people to commune with me. And and me commune with them and never lived up to the ideal, but the portable tabernacle gives way to the permanent temple. Permanent temple. But people, the people began to disobey God. They began to worship idols. And God says, I'm going to allow the temple to be destroyed and I'm going to allow you to be taken into exile. And in exile, the people began to lose their identity. They began to cry out to God, 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 when will you, when will we ever go back to a place where we had this communion with you, communion with you? And so what God does, God hears their cry in exile and he delivers them. But he says, when I deliver you, the first order of business, the first order of business when you leave exile is I want you to build the second temple. That's what Haggai and Ezra is all about. 
Those two books are all about rebuilding the second temple so that the people of God can get back to worshiping God, communing with God like God originally intended from the beginning. All right, let's work this. Let's work this, all right? That's a little bit of my urbanness, my, you know, my urban language coming out. All right, y'all, can, y'all, can feel, y'all feel that? Y'all feeling that? All right, all right, here we go. All right, God gave Moses a command to build the tabernacle. The tabernacle never, it was a place where God wanted to dwell among his people. It never lived up to the ideal. And so the portable tabernacle gives way to the permanent temple. Absolutely, absolutely. That where people offered sacrifices to God and, and yet, but it became something other than what God had intended. It became uh, a place where abuse happened and priests began to abuse, abuse that and people began to go through the motion. People began to dishonor God, disobey God and God says, I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to allow the temple to be destroyed and I'm going to allow you to be taken into exile. People of God began to lose their identity in exile. They began to say, we don't, we don't, we don't, we're not the people of God like we used to. And so how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? They cry out to God and God hears their cry and God delivers them out of exile. But he said, the first order of business I want from you is once you leave exile, I want you to build the second temple. It's what Ezra and Ezra and Haggai is all about, but there's a problem. There's a problem. Turn over to uh, Haggai chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, or verse chapter 2, verse 3. Turn over to Haggai. Haggai, page 668, if you're using the Pew Bible. 668, if you're using the Pew Bible. 668. There's a problem. There's a problem. 668, chapter 2, verse 3. Here it is. It says, verse number 3, Who of you is left who saw his house, who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Here's the problem. Here's the problem. The second temple never lived up to the glory and majesty and splendor of the first temple. And so people began asking the question, will there ever be a time when the glory in the latter temple will achieve the glory of the first temple? Will there ever be a time where the, where the beauty and splendor of the first temple would ever, ever be uh, on the second temple? Will we ever, ever see that again? Will we ever see the glory of Solomon's temple ever again? And all through the generations, they asked that question, and they asked that question, and they asked that question until one person had the answer to that. I want you to turn over to John chapter 1, verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. John answers this question about will there ever be a time where the glory of God will ever be seen again like in the tabernacle, like in the temple. Look at verse number 14. Verse number 14, this is what it says. Here it is. Page 750, if you're looking on the Pew Bible, and this is what it says. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling. That's the word for tabernacle. 
made his tabernacle among us or made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the same glory that rested between the cherubim, the same glory that rested between the two angels in the holy of holies. Now that glory is resting on somebody. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here it is, here it is. John answers Haggai's question. And John's, John answered the question. And the qu- answer to the question is Jesus. Jesus is the greater glory. Jesus is the perfect glory. Jesus is the one. And that glory was born of a virgin. That glory lived the perfect life. That glory died on the cross. That glory was buried in a grave. And on the third day, that glory was raised from the dead. Jesus is, in fact, the perfect glory of God. All right, all right, let's work it. Let's work it. Here we go. Here we go. God gave Moses a command to build the tabernacle was a place where God's presence dwelled. It's a place where they communed with God, met with God, and God met with them. And so, so the tab- God gave Moses a command to build the tabernacle, but the portable tabernacle gives way to the permanent temple and the temple was cool it was it was beautiful it was majestic it was had gold and it was a beautiful a beautiful place but it never lived up to the ideal it became something other than what God intended and God raised up prophets to critique the abuse of the system the people disobeyed God and God allowed the temple to be destroyed and God allowed his people to be taken into Exile, exile. The people lost their identity. They lost their uh, distinction as the people of God in exile. But they began to cry out to God. How can we sing the songs, uh, God's songs in a strange land? They cry out to God. God delivers them. But he says the first order of business is I want you to build the second temple. Yet there's a problem. The second temple doesn't achieve the glory and grandeur as the first temple. See, I fooled you. I got you. I got you. I fooled you. It doesn't achieve the glory of the first temple. People begin asking, when will that glory come? And John answers the question, that glory is not in a building. It's not in a tabernacle. It's not in a temple. It's in a person. And that person is Jesus. Jesus. We got a problem. Jesus dies and is buried and he goes back to the father he goes back to the father so we don't have the glory of the tabernacle and we don't have the glory of the temple and we don't have the glory of the second temple and now we don't even have the perfect glory of the son of God, Jesus Christ, Messiah. We don't even now have that glory anymore because he's now ascended back to the father. But does he leave us alone? Does he leave us without hope? Does he leave us without glory? He sends us who? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now resides in the church. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians chapter six, uh, 3, verse 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. And this is what it says. And uh, page 808, if you're looking on the Pew Bible. This is what it says. Uh, 16 and 17 says, Don't you know that... 
you yourselves, that's plural, not singular, you yourselves are God's temple. And that God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. You together as the body of Christ. If anyone destroys God's temple, that is God's church, God will destroy or discipline him. For God's temple, God's church, you and I collective, is sacred and you are, plural, the church, you are that temple. So Jesus goes away and the Holy Spirit comes and now the Holy Spirit lives inside of the church, the church of Jesus Christ, the new body of Jesus Christ, the same glory that rested on Jesus Christ when he walked in a physical body, that same glory, that same light, that same Shekinah is now, whether we know it or not, it's mysteriously resting in the church of Jesus Christ. Your white hands and my black hands, your rich and your poor, the church, uh, uh, those who like contemporary music and those who like traditional music, the church, those who live in the city and those who live in the suburb, the church, everybody, you and me, those who are sick and those who are well, the church, Spartan fans and Wolverine fans, the church, (laughs) the church of Jesus Christ, something mysterious happens when the church gathers, something, something very special happens when you and I get together, we sing the songs of Jesus Christ, we listen to a message, God shows up when the people of God come together. That's the reason. That's the reason. That's the reason it's important for you not to miss worship service because God does something when you show up and he does something when I show up. He does something when the poor shows up and the rich shows up. He does something. He mysteriously gets in the body of Jesus Christ. He changes our minds. He changes our hearts. He allows us to see what he wants the world to become. That's the reason. Have you ever been to an event and have you ever been to an event and it was an amazing, amazing event and somebody didn't show up and you try to explain to them what happened? Their eyes glaze over and it's going over their head and after a while you get tired and you say this, you just should have been there. And that's what happens when the church gathers. God does something. You can't explain it unless you were there. All right, all right, all right. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I really am almost done. So, so the Spirit of God, let's, let's try this. We've got to try this again. Okay. God gives Moses a command to build the tabernacle. tabernacle. The portable tabernacle gives way to the permanent temple. temple. But the temple doesn't live up to the hype. It doesn't live up to the ideal because, you know, people began to disobey God. They began to worship idols. And God allowed the temple to be destroyed. Allowed the temple to be destroyed. And he allowed his people to go into exile. The people lose their distinction. They lose their identity, but they cry out to God. God being a gracious God, a good God, he hears their cry. He delivers them out of exile and says, the first order of business is, I want you to build the second temple. temple. Haggai and Ezra, that's what they're all about. So they began to build the second temple, but the second temple doesn't live up to the splendor and the hype and the glory and the majesty of the first temple. So people began asking, when will the latter glory achieve the glory of the first? And John answers that question in the person of 
Jesus Christ. He is the perfect glory. He is the perfect shine of God. But he goes back to heaven. He doesn't leave us as orphans. He doesn't leave us alone. He now allows the Holy Spirit to dwell in the church. But not only does he allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in the church, the Holy Spirit now, not only corporately, but the Holy Spirit lives in us individually. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 very quickly, and then I need to finish this up. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19 and 20. It says, verse number 19 and 20, it says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? There is our word again, temple of the Holy Spirit, you uh, who is in you. Now, this is singular. Paul in chapter 3 used a plural you. This is now a singular you. You and you and you are individual temples of God. And then he says, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So we have from all the way the the dwelling of God, the tabernacle, all the way down through history where you and I are now the dwelling of God. God wants you and me to be the place where he dwells. But what we have a tendency to do, we have a tendency to become content in our tents. We get in our tents, And this is a small group tent, y'all. This is a small group tent. Now, there's nothing wrong with small groups. There's nothing wrong with Sunday school. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we zip ourselves up in our tent. And we sing our songs and we preach our messages and we we listen to messages. We do our Bible studies. We do all the religious stuff and we become content in our tent. And we house the very presence of God. God says, I've never, ever, ever wanted. So we get in our tents and we, can you pass the pie? And oh, that coffee is good. That's really, uh, and we sing our songs, Jesus, Jesus. We sing our song, you came from heaven. Okay, that looked kind of crumped a little bit there. (laughs) And we stay in our tents. And we live in our tents. And every now and then, we'll peek out our tents. And what we'll say, you know, it's dangerous out there. And we'll close up and we'll zip back up and we'll live in our small groups, we'll live in our small communities and and the presence of God is housed in a tent. What's even worse, we leave our small tents and we pass destruction and disenfranchisement We pass schools where kids can't read. And we pass cold countries where there are floods and people need to hear the gospel. And we walk past and we walk past and we listen. We have selective hearing. And we walk past, we leave our small tents and we walk past chaos and disorder and sin and people on their way to hell to our bigger tent. 777, East Beltline. 3355 Dunkel Road, Lansing, Michigan. And we sing our songs. 
and we close ourselves off and we sing our songs and we hear a good message from Pastor Jim and we hear an okay message from Pastor Marvin and we hear... We go to our Sunday school class and we say, oh, that was great, that was great, that was great. Yep, yep. And every now and then, we'll peek out again. <laughs> and we'll close it up. But the reality of this message, the reality of the tabernacle, God says, I want to break out of tents. I want to break out of little small houses. I have never, ever wanted to localize my presence. My presence was always supposed to fill the earth, and I want to do it through you and me. So here it is. Here it is. Here it is. God says, God says, church, arise. Break out of your tent. Break out of your small group tent. Break out of your big tent. And I want you to church arise. I want love to go across the sea. And I want to use you. 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 Some of you right now, you're content in your tent. And God says, I want my presence to break out. I want my presence to break out. I want my presence to break out in your neighborhoods. I want my presence to break out the where you work out. I want my presence to break out in your school. I want my presence to break out among those moms. I want my presence to break out in Mozambique, in China, in Thailand, in Hungary, in Ireland, in, 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 the, in the DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo. I want my presence to break out. Why? Because the dwelling of God is not in a house. The dwelling of God is not in a temple. The dwelling of God is not in a tabernacle. The dwelling of God is in you and me. Can you imagine that the God of the universe who created the world is now through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You are that little piece of heaven on earth. Let me give you Several, and I'm, I'm, man, I'm over my, over my time. It's all right. But I, I, I want to, <laughs> no, I don't, no, wait a minute. <laughs> there are several stories where I think we're experiencing a little piece of heaven on earth. I think you are, you're, you're, you're building and rebuilding depressed neighborhoods. That's a little piece of heaven on earth. You got a group of people getting ready to go to Mozambique. Tom, that's a little piece of heaven. Kristen, that's a little piece of heaven on earth. There's a, there, I told you about a, a man last, last year when I was here, about, about a, man, a man by the name of Saad. Saad used to be the general, one of the generals in Saddam Hussein's army. He somehow landed in Lansing, Michigan, and somehow we connected with him at Trinity Church. This year, last year, this time last year, Saad gave his life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Gave his life to Jesus Christ. And Saad has been growing in Jesus Christ ever since. Last weekend, Saad had dinner with some people from his apartment complex. And Saad wished um, one of the ladies at the table a happy Easter. And that lady leaned over to him and whispered, did you know this was, the, I quote, this is nigger day? I have no idea the connection. I have no idea where that came from. And Saad in his broken English, Iraqi, his Iraqi accent, his broken English, he says, you ugly. Yeah. 
You ugly. No, not on the outside, but your heart, your heart is ugly. He says, if you know Jesus, you ought to tell Jesus you're sorry. Now, here's a man a year ago, didn't know Jesus. I would like to think that in that moment, at that time, that woman experienced a little piece of heaven on earth. Another story, we had a food drop. We had a food drop where a consortium of churches gathered together and we passed out food to over 3,000 families in the Lansing area who needed, who needed, uh, who needed food. And one woman, uh, you know, wanted her son to go with her, but her son didn't have, want to have anything to do with God. He was just like two through with God, two through with the church. Eventually, he relented and he went with her. Her son is a drug user. So long story short, they ended up delivering a box of food to his drug dealer. Can you imagine that? The, a man who's ravaging her son's life with drugs, she now hands him a box of food and prays for him. I think that's a little piece of heaven. On earth. My kids handed out boxes of food to their friends that go to the same school, and you would never ever know that they were poor. You would never ever know that they needed food. And yet, my sons, I, 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 God bless them, it was a little piece of heaven on earth to their friends. This coming Tuesday, and I know there's all kinds of things, uh, all kinds of opinions about this, but we want to engage the culture. We want to be a little piece of heaven on earth. This coming Tuesday at Celebration Cinema Lansing, we have a private showing of the Hunger Games. And we're going to, we're going to watch the Hunger Games together. And afterwards, I'm going to do a message, about a 20-minute message. And I'm going to present the gospel. And I believe God is going to bring people to know Jesus Christ. Here's a world, here's a world, here's a world, life without God. Kids killing kids. And yet, and yet, I want to show them here's a world where God is at the very center of your life. Jesus lays down his life for us. For us. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we'll bring a little piece of heaven Amen. to earth. I ask you a question and I, I got to be done. Ask you a question. What is God's, what is your idea of an ideal house? What is God's idea of an ideal house? His idea of an ideal house is you and me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for how much you love us, care for us. Uh, help us to be your dwelling all across this city, all in Lansing this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.